0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. We told you that this was not going to be a warm, fuzzy, uh, fantasy land type uh, message or series where we talk about how great marriage is and how wonderful it is and all the wonderful things. They're all that potential is there, but there's also a lot of junk too. And when half of the marriages are for over 45% of marriages, whether in the church or out of the church, end in divorce, we definitely have some issues. Uh, and there's all types of uh, struggles that marriages are going through. And so we want to get real and get honest, and we promised you we would do that. And we've been talking about, this is our third in a series of fixing us that's our title fixing us and we're dealing with the subject of marriage however uh, we have singles in this church we have divorced people in this church and the series is not geared only to married couples singles if you will listen very carefully to what I'm teaching you these principles that I'll use the term marriage but it, it's really relationship and it all be, a lot of it begins with what I require of myself. The changes I'm willing to make in me so that we can become a better us. And that is true in marriage, it's true in a relationship of any kind. And if we learn to apply these principles as a couple, we're well on our way to having a better marriage. If you have a great marriage, it can get better. If you have a mediocre marriage, all of a sudden it can get better. If you have a horrible marriage, it also can get married. But if you're single and you're not married, but one day you want to be, I'm putting into your hands the ingredients for you to know what marriage is, what to look for in a mate, and how you're to be, and how that mate is to be with you. You'll understand marriage. Uh, some real good principles about it. We're going to, every year, do a series on marriage because it's such a needed topic in America today. And marriage and family is under an assault where there is a purposeful uh, work that is taking place in our nation to destroy the concept of marriage and of family. But we're gonna work as the church, it is our job to ensure that what God instituted in the earth, the things that God created, that they remain and they remain for the same purpose that God intended. And we said in the first session that marriage is not the idea of man. It was never man's idea, it was God's idea that the Bible starts with a marriage in the Garden of Eden and it ends with the marriage in the book of Revelation in heaven. In the garden it was Adam and Eve In heaven, Jesus and his bride. So marriage is very important to God. It's very important. The home is extremely important. In Ephesians 5, 31. In Ephesians 5 is really what we're building this series from. We also are drawing from, and I said this to you, that I'm using three sources for this. Uh, Ephesians 5, the Bible, mainly Ephesians 5. Paul's teaching there on marriage. Uh, and then from good, solid resources that I trust, and, and uh, they have good, solid uh, answers and to questions and issues. And then thirdly, from my own uh, marriage, I've been married to the same woman. She was feeling a little under the weather today and couldn't make it, but Denise and I have been married 46 years and in August the 4th it'll be 47 years and we are madly in love with each other uh, she is the desire of my heart under God she is everything to me and I know that I am that to her so uh, <clears throat> those are our sources we're pulling from Paul said in Ephesians five thirty-one, as the scriptures say a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And the two will become one. Now, Paul pulls that from Genesis, uh, the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve, God created Eve and brought Adam and Eve together. And we'll read about that in Genesis 2, uh, verses 21 through 24. Uh, the Bible says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last. I told Stephen, I said, well, I wish we could have played that song. Uh, at last. Uh, That'd be a perfect place for it right there. But Adam just exclaimed, at last. Well, the reason is because he'd been looking, if you read there in Genesis, he'd looked through and he'd named the cows, the horses, the pigs and birds and all of that, uh, all the bears and the lions and the tigers. He was naming all that. And the Bible has an interesting statement and it says, but there was not a mate found for him. And all of the men said, thank God. Because I'm so glad Adam didn't look at a cow and say, Mmm, she's looking good. After all I've seen, don't look too bad. <laughs> oh boy, that would have been bad today. Mmm. Uh, <laughs> at last, the man exclaimed, This is, this one is bone of, from my bone and flesh from my flesh. Literally, she was. She will be called woman or out of man. Because she was taken from man, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united in one. Today I want us to look at the subject of becoming one. Becoming one. Um, If I ask you what is the main problem that people deal with in marriage, what is... Uh, the main reason for divorce, or what would be the main reason for marriage fights and fusses and problems, I would probably get responses like finances, uh, how to uh, discipline the children and how to parent, or how to spend the money, or uh, who who makes the final decision. There would be different things that people would respond, and all of those I would say, that's true, but that, that is a circumstance. And the circumstance, the reason it's a problem is because of the issue. And the issue is not the circumstance. The issue is that trouble is we're having to become one. And marriage is two individuals that are not the same people. You remember uh, in the first one I said you never marry the right person Let me say that again. You never marry the right person. Denise and I married the wrong people. I wasn't right for her. She wasn't right for me. But you know what? Nobody marries the right person because the person you marry 20 years from now, if you stay married, they're going to be different and you're going to be different. Because life and marriage, a relationship, a committed relationship changes us. And the issue that we deal with, the issue that is the struggle that we have, the issue at the heart of our bickering, our fussing, our our uh, our struggle is always this. And that is we're tr- we don't understand that we're being pushed into one. That marriage, God is taking marriage and he's taking us and he's squeezing two people into one. And it's that pressure of becoming one that is so tough for us. It creates friction. It creates uh, uh, uncomfortableness. So it's a tough deal. So we're going to talk about that today for a little while. The statement, the two shall become one, is both powerful and beautiful. Uh, it defines the very essence of what marriage means. In other words, if you boiled marriage down to its core, if you took marriage, if you took everything about marriage, I don't care whether it's good, bad, indifferent, or whatever. If you took all of that marriage and you put it in a pot and you boiled it down until you were going to be only left with the core critical uh, ingredient, this is what you would be left with. This statement, the two become one. Would you say that with me together? The two become become one. Let's say it out loud. The two become one. Say it again. The two become one. Now that's a statement that I use in the marriage ceremony and many ministers do, but I think it's one that just kind of goes on by us. We read it in the Bible and it goes on by us, but it is at the very heart of what marriage is all about. It literally tells us God's purpose for marriage is not just procreation and have more people. God's purpose in marriage is that these two people are gonna become one. Now notice this, how God does this. God is orderly and perfect in everything he does. We believe that? Okay, God from one, Adam, God made two, Adam and Eve, so that Adam and Eve could spend a life fussing, quarreling, Fighting until they got rid of what separated them and they became one again. So from one to back to one. It's amazing. Also, woman came from man. Now men come from woman. Every man in this room had a mother was not born from his father. I'm telling you, God is so... Picture perfect in the way he does things to where that if we just look at the pictures, uh, you know, like a kid that can't read the words, but they look at the pictures, you'll get the story. You'll get it and say, shazam. Aha, I see. Here is the, per- let me, let me, I wrote this statement down. The purpose of marriage, this is a good point to make, write down. The purpose of marriage, look at it on screen is to so unite two people that over time they become one. There's some operative words in there. Really good phrases. The purpose of marriage is to so unite two people that over time they become one. You don't become one when the, pastor, the minister says, you may now kiss your bride. You're not one, you have a potential there. Marriage is two people with their own individual identity choosing to go on a journey of becoming something together because of love. I'm going to say that again. Marriage is two people with individual identities. They are their own person choosing, choosing to go on a journey together To become something. To become something. Now listen, marriage is you, the purpose of marriage is for you to become something, not to do something. To become something together. It's discovering and finding out not who I can become, but who we can become. It's believing we will be better than just me. Becoming one does not mean that I lose me. Now, let me be very clear about that. Some singles are afraid to get married because they say, I lose myself if I get married. All right? It's quite the contrary. You remember in one of the previous sessions, I made this statement. Marriage is the greenhouse for becoming or growing a better me. Marriage is the greenhouse, God's greenhouse, for growing a better me. That's why God said, if you're going to stay single, it has to be because he called you to it. Because without marriage, there is no greenhouse for you to become the best you can can be. And so, if God calls you to be single, he gives you to do that, and that greenhouse will be formed in another way, most likely in your relationship with Jesus. And in your relationship with what you do for him. But all the rest of us, there's no question about it, the greenhouse we have to get it in is in marriage. All right? That's why people that go from one to another to another to another uh, and never ever stay married very long. It's because they never mature individually. If you sit and talk with them, they may be a man-made, 67 years of age, you sit and talk with them, you think you're talking to a 16-year-old boy. They have not matured. They're still trying to prove themselves, still trying to be cool, still trying to do all this stuff, and still worried about what people think about the girl that's with them. Do I look good? And I've sat and talked with guys like that, and I think, dear Lord, you're, you're like a time, you're in a time warp, you know? You couldn't pass through a certain stage or phase of maturity, so you got hung back there, you know? When the Bible speaks of two of us or two people becoming one, listen to this, it is casting a vision of a potential future. It is not saying that's what you are now. It is casting a vision of what you can become. And this is so important. We don't start out there, but if we will see there, we can go there. Are you with me? You don't start out as, a, as one. You start out as two people, and we're going to talk about that. But you can become one. The Bible is saying this when it says become one. It is saying this is what you, both of you together, can become if you're willing to take the journey. The idea of becoming one contains all the wonder, the beauty, and the strength of marriage, but also it contains all the struggle, the pain, and the difficulty. At the heart of the difficulty, struggle, and pain of a marriage is this one statement, becoming one. Now, I want to draw from my own experience. When Denise and I married, We were two completely different people. Actually, the least difference that Denise and I had was simple. She was a female and I was a male. That was our least difference. Other than that, uh, I mean, that was the closest we got to being similar. Well, you could say also we were human. I'm not kidding. Beyond that, there was no similarity. You know, they said, what is it, women are from Venus and men are from Mars? I wasn't even in the same galaxy with her. We were not even, we weren't even revolving around the same sun. It was totally different. I mean, when we talk about anything, I'm not joking, it didn't matter, you could say coffee or tea or dog or whatever. We could not even come to the same general location together. And before we even got even faintly close to each other, we were already bickering about the difference and fussing about it. And it was just something else. Uh, She and I were complete opposites. I mean absolute opposites. All of her best friends and all of my best friends, her family, my family, they wanted to encourage us immensely. And so they all said this to us, you haven't got a chance at all. What in the world are you thinking? You can't get married. You are not made for each other. You guys, you shouldn't even think about it. You shouldn't even date. And so we got married. I was 20, she was 16. And we were brilliant. We were completely opposites. The way we had been raised, the, our homes that we came from, uh, our dreams, our hopes, our values, our beliefs none of it was faintly similar. I desired and looked for it. And wanted things, certain things. She was over here. And they weren't like here or here. They were here. And actually, to go one, you had to pull the other away. We couldn't just pull together for a little while and eventually come together. There was no way. If either one of us went the direction we wanted to go, the other had to just give up. Totally. Now, I 'm not saying it's this way with everyone, and I will say this to singles that are looking for want to get married in the future. I do believe you need to do better than we did. I believe you need to find people that there is some commonality that when you talk about what you want in life and where you want to go, and I 'm going to spend more time on this in the future, uh, we're going to deal with in a subject about finding the right mate, but you need to sit down and talk about these things and and look at them. But what you can draw encouragement from is this. Maybe you're married and you're very different and you're dealing with those differences right now. Well, let me tell you, there's no couple that was ever put together any different than us, yet we made it. And so if we made it, and I'm gonna share with you some principles of how we did, of how we became one how we went from being two completely opposite people, pulling in opposite directions, wanting opposite things, reaching for and trying to, whether it was spending our money or whatever it would be, we were going in opposite directions, but how some some way we got to where we're absolutely one. And it's wonderful. We both loved music, that was a close thing. But the trouble was, I liked the Rolling Stones, Jimmy Reed, Cream. This is a long time ago. She liked the Beatles, Elvis, and the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys? Elvis? That's not music. Give me something that's got some meat to it. I want it solid. I want it strong. I love vanilla ice cream. She liked chocolate. I love coconut cake. She loved chocolate cake. I never watched TV. That's all she wanted to do was watch TV. We were in love and we were married, but even that, what that meant to each of us was completely different. Denise wanted this dream. I'm talking about a 16 year old girl. She had a dream of the perfect fairy tale marriage of what all that meant. And, and a lot of you ladies know what that is, but she had this dream of marriage. Me, I just wanted her body. She was five foot seven, one 116 pounds, dark hair down past her, her, her seat. And boy, I thought she looked good. And I told you about the honeymoon night. We had... Plans, we had reservations up a long ways away. We got in the car, I found the first hotel I could find on the road and spent the night. I'm not kidding. She looked too good for me to drive for several hours. (laughs) Ain't no way I'm driving for several hours. Ain't no way. Because I got married for a reason. Now, you got to understand, I didn't ask God about that reason. I wasn't saved. But, I mean, it was why I got married. I wanted her. Did I want to spend a life with her? Yeah, for that reason. Can I be real? All right. Man, and so, uh, it was, we were totally different. Uh, and, like, even when we would, she wanted before intimacy to talk about. What do you think about this? Whatever you want, I'm for it. I was very complicit during that time because I had my mind on one thing, and so uh, if she said, well, "What do you think about us having a house like that?" Oh, yeah, that's great. I'm all for it. Let's let's do that. Okay, now. <clears throat> okay. I'm not. You know. Hey, guys. God loves sex. Like one man said, if he made anything better, he kept it for himself. And there is nothing wrong with that in the marriage relationship. It's beautiful to God. Parents, please don't teach your Christian children that sex is evil, because how does does it become unevil when they're married? then they struggle with this guilt and pleasure complex that confuses them. Sex is not evil. It's beautiful. God made it. And guess what? I think it's cool. He said, that's the way you're going to make kids. So he guaranteed the men would want kids. Because when we got married, Denise said, kids, I said, what? But guess what? (laughs) Now here, Denise and I, are 47 years later, and through this journey of dreams and nightmares, and that's literally what it was, we have become one. Now, I still love coconut cake. I still do. I don't love chocolate cake. But I love sitting down at a quiet meal with some quiet, soft music playing, sharing a piece of chocolate cake with Denise. Because we're one and it's not about what I like, it's about what we like. But guess what? She'll fix a chocolate, i mean a coconut cake and we'll eat it. Our journey, Denise's and my journey has been extremely difficult at times and could have ended at various critical places. We had, through our marriage, all the reasons to get divorced. But at each of those places, and next week, let me just, I won't give away everything. Next week, Denise is going to teach. I'm not sure exactly what she's teaching on, but she's going to deal with some getting past those difficult places. At each of those places, instead of letting the marriage die, Denise and I chose to let something of each of us die. I hope you hear me. Instead of when we came to those places, it could have been a fuss over something stupid, which a lot of them were. If we just sat down with a marriage counselor and done the hand puppets, The marriage counselor would have said, you know, okay, tell you why you're... It would have been as stupid as the hand puppets. And actually, if we had to tell somebody why we were fussing, we'd have felt ashamed because it was over something stupid. But we were defending our territory. And that's what it was all about. And then there was great big things that happened that should have destroyed the marriage. But at each one of those places, she and I both together made a decision that instead of letting the marriage die, we would let something of each of us die. If two people want it to work, if they want to become one truly, then here is the price you must pay. Something of each one must die so something new can be born. Marriage is born Out of two people dying to themselves. I will. Marriage is born out of two people dying to themselves. Because here's what happens. When something of me dies, something of us comes alive. Now in our early years, we each defended our personal territory and our rights. We fought over the most insignificant things. And instead of working together to create a common ground and build a marriage, instead we fought and defended our own self, our own rights to make sure I didn't lose because I was not going to be taken advantage of and she was not going to be taken advantage of. I was not going to let her rule me and she was not going to let me rule her. And really what God was doing was rubbing us together and what we thought was a sign, are you listening? The very thing we thought was the sign that confirmed what everybody had told us, you can't make it, you're not meant for each other. The very fact that we fought so much and bickered so much and it didn't matter if it was going out to have a nice little date night, it ended in a fuss over some stupid thing and you know how I drove the car or how she changed the radio station or whatever it may be. And the whole night would go on, go on, go on on that. And if somebody sat in the back seat, they'd say, hey, give the world a break, get divorced. But the very thing that showed that we didn't, weren't meant for each other was really a sign, say, it's just God working you out together. The very fact that we rub so much against each other was God was taking two separate things rubbing them together to where all of a sudden they began to fit together as one. He fused us together and a lot of it was the heat of our own passion and arguments. But the core difference was this. When we would get to those places instead of saying now listen we did say we did say she would look at me and say that's it. No more. Don't say another word to me. I'm not talking to you. I am through with you. I don't want anything to do with you. I can't stand the sight of you. And I'd say, huh, you think you feel that way? Let me tell you something, sister. The last person I want to spend another minute with in any of my life, if I lived a thousand lives, I wouldn't want one more minute with you. The best thing could happen to me is for you to walk out that door. That's pretty tough. And that might have been over how the coffee was. Y'all are laughing. It was not fun. But I'm being real. I'm not exaggerating, I'm being real. I mean, listen, guys, we had knockdown dragouts. We had neighbors that say, Are y'all all right? We heard y'all all night last night. And, uh, but it was that way. But you know, here's the thing. When she would say that and she'd go off to you know, our bedroom and I'd go off to watch TV or something or get in the car, my normal things, I'd get in the car and I'd go for a ride. And sometimes I'd be gone till two o'clock in the morning just riding, you know, just riding until I could cool off a little bit. And I'd come back home while I'm riding and while she's in her room. I know the same things going on. She and I both were thinking individually. You know, at first I'm thinking, doggone her. And I didn't usually say doggone, but I was mad and I'd say, and then I'd start thinking, I don't really want her to walk out that door. I don't want to spend the life with another woman. I want this to work. Somehow. I don't know how, but somehow I want it to work. And I'd drive back home, and she'd be in the bed acting like she was asleep. I'd crawl up in the bed, and uh, I'd act like I accidentally touched her on purpose John and I'd put my hip over against hers and then I'd say oh I'm sorry and put my hand on her and just that hand there I could feel her body just kind of relax a little and I'd pull her over and I'd say Denise I am so sorry. I'm a stupid idiot. And she'd say, no, I am. But don't you ever say that to me again. (laughs) (laughs) And we would kiss. My daughter went, Don't worry, your mother's a virgin. We've, nothing's ever happened. <laughs> 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 and literally, we would spend the rest of the night when both of us had to get up at six in the morning. We'd spend the rest of the night making up and having, and it would be wonderful. And we'd leave in the morning. I love you. Oh, you know, and I'd go get in the car, come back, you know, and we'd leave. And that was kind of the roller coaster ride of our marriage. We went from passionate romance to passionate fights. And that was all in one day. Seriously, that'd be one day. That's right there. That day, the next day, the same thing. And that was our life. It was this roller coaster. And really, there was times, you know, that we would look at each other and say, this is wearing me out. I mean, you know, when there's all that fussing going on and bickering, it wears people out. I'm so glad this was not when our children, we were married for several years before we had children. We were two people struggling to, to become one. Now, here's the sad point. Some couples never get past this point. Denise and I are around couples that are in ministry, sad to say. Couples that we know that are our age, are a little younger. And every time we're with them, there is this tension that goes a little, something a little sad. Now, they won't blatantly fuss, but you can see there's an under, there's just this kind of an underground river It's right under the surface of bickering and disagreement. And and we realize, bless their hearts, we could really help them. Because they are still, they've been married 45 years, but they're still two people. They've never become one. The reason is this. Two people get stuck in a rut between being two people and becoming one. They've never made the choice to let something of each one die because of something greater that they can have together. Just like Jesus was willing to die. Did he want to die? No. He said, if there's any other way, let it be done. But he was willing to die. Denise and I made it, number one, because God began to work in our lives individually. And she and I both began to ask God individually to direct us and change us. And the Holy Spirit began to teach us. I told God this. I said, I have no understanding of how to be a husband. I don't know how to treat a woman. I don't. You're going to have to show me. And the Holy Spirit told me this. The Holy Spirit, and I need to do a teaching sometime on the Holy Spirit and will, but but he is God. He is God present with us. You can't see him, but he's real. And the Holy Spirit inside, I, it was just an impression, like a thought that came up inside me that said, if you will listen to me, and when I tell you, you keep your big mouth shut. This is the way he said it. If you'll listen to me, I'll help you build or be the husband that you should be. And I said, I will. And so Denise and I would be fussing. You can ask her this. We would be fussing. And she, I mean, it would be, boy, just like two animals in each other's face. And all of a sudden, I would hear this inside me. Shut up. I'd hear it inside me. Shut up. Let her talk. Listen to what she's got to say. Then look her in the eyes and say these words. I love you. And I am sorry for hurting you and making you feel this way. And then he would say, I walk away and I walk away. And Denise would be left standing there. Now, if she chooses to share about how it was from her side, because I've heard her say it many times, is that when I would do that, all of a sudden, it would, she said, the, whole, the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to her and say, why are you acting this way? Why are you doing this? Is this what you really want? Is this the person you want to be? And she would say, no. And God began to teach both of us how to have a relationship. Instead of fussing constantly, we began to spend time talking about our hopes for our future. With our words, we began to paint a picture of a future we could have. And that hope of what we could be, are you listening to me? Helped us to get through where we were. Listen to me, this. To become one, we must cherish the hope we share of a future more than the cost we must pay in the present. To do this, both people have to be willing to lose the battle for themselves so they can win the war for the marriage. If you are determined to always win, you are always going to lose in relationships. I've talked to people that they'll say, I'll never, I'll never yield. Then I'll say, okay, that's fine, but you'll never have a relationship Well, I just want a relationship with God. Then I said, you can't have one with him. Because if you don't yield, you can't have a relationship with anyone, including God. Remember this. Remember this. In marriage, you either fight for yourself or you fight for the marriage. But you cannot do both. Denise and I turned our fights. We intentionally did this because... We were making steps. We turned our fights from being against each other to being for each other. In the middle of a fuss where we were fussing with one another, we would one of us would re- suddenly say, we're better than this. This is not what we want. I'm not about to give you up. I'm not about to lose what we have. And as soon as one said that, the other one would surrender. And all of a sudden, instead of it like this, we linked arms and together we were fighting for what we both wanted. Did we have it? No. But we saw it off in the future. Good marriages are not built on how much we gain or get from the relationship, but on how much we are willing to sacrifice and to give. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.